It's great to see you. Hey, Nate, is that your new guitar? No. Oh, that's your guitar. Oh, I was hoping that was the Honduras guitar. Right? Aren't you getting one from Honduras? Okay, good. Anyway, uh, that's one of our missions. Hey, I want to introduce you guys to somebody this morning. Um, this is a person that I usually introduce, and I say, this is my pastor. Um, this is somebody that mentored me when I was had no gray hairs and needed a lot of mentorship, and then ministry gives you a lot of gray hair. So I've changed, and and uh, this is Alistair Geddes, and um, he lives in Florida now, and he's just poured into the life of this church, especially very early on when we were getting our feet under us and learning, and uh, he taught me so much. I want you guys to know, actually, you are a part of Alistair as well. Uh, he has a ministry called Impact, and uh, we help support Impact. And so one of the things that we're teaching you guys is when you give money to Coastal, 10 cents of every dollar goes out the door to missions. And so one of the missions that you support is Impact, and Impact ha- supports some incredible works in Haiti. Uh, and if you guys remember, last year we took up a special offering, and we began the process of helping to build a school in Zimbabwe, a school for uh, young boys and young women uh, in Zimbabwe. And if you remember, we talked about how uh, that country got ravaged by a cyclone uh, last year, and they're still recovering. So it's been delayed a a little bit, but we're praying for future progress there. In fact, we're going to meet and talk about that tomorrow, Lord willing, and just get a little update. But um, And so Alistair's a big key in that relationship that helps us navigate that and helps us as a church complete some goals that we have partnering with his church. Uh, it's actually the church he founded in Zimbabwe called Faith Ministry. So if you would do me a favor, put your hands together. Welcome a man that I love deeply. Uh, this is Alistair Geddes. That should be it. You're very brave, Wayne. <laughs> Coming to sit near the front here, because no, I, I I do have a story that will include you now this morning since you're here. <laughs> Come back to the second service. Sit there. <laughs> You've no idea. Not even the slightest idea how honoring and humbling it is to be with you. You have no idea. To be a man of my age, to be able to minister and share in the life of somebody like Sean and others of you, it's an amazing, amazing thing. It's overwhelming. It's humbling. It's, It's wonderful. What you're a part of here at Coastal is, throughout my many years of ministry, the most is one of the, certainly the purest forms of the, the church that I've seen. Your leadership is wonderful. Your, your model is wonderful. I know a lot about it more than any of you know about it. And I, I'm, I'm critical at what I see in the kingdom of God. But what I see here at Coastal is just wonderful. So I, I want to endorse the ministry of, of Sean and, and the elders, Wayne and Jimmy, who are personal friends of mine from a long, long time back. We, we've, all, we've traveled together to Thailand and India and Africa. And in 2016, Patsy, Jimmy and Patsy have been uh, wonderful friends for, for many, many years. And they came back. I started in ministry in 1976, uh, I guess it was. We started a church in Zimbabwe. And 
Today, I was just told by one of our senior pastors, we have 72 churches around the world, which I don't take credit in the growth of it. I just take credit in being in, somehow in default of it all, not knowing what to do next, but somehow it worked, and, and God has blessed that. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Over all these years, and it is great to have all our friends that are here from all, I've seen all, all along throughout the different services and so on. It's just great to be with you. All of these years, having been doing this for as long as I have, I have wanted, you know, people have said, would, would you write a book? I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would you be able to tell us about all that you've done? Don't want to. But I decided that I would, I decided looking back in all of this is, I wanted to leave a legacy. I wanted to leave something that would be sustainable. And so the ministry in Zimbabwe all these years, I still speak into it after 40 years. In fact, we, um, Jimmy and, some, and, and Nate came with Sean and others and Andrew in 2016, came to Zimbabwe with me for the 40th anniversary of Faith Ministries, the church that I founded the, all these years ago. That was in 2016, of course, 40 years after 1976. And it, it was amazing to see how over all these years we've left a deposit that goes on and on and on. And as I look back over all these years, I came up, how do you summate all these years in ministry into, either you write a lexicon or you write an encyclopedia or whatever, yeah, but or you, you you define it very quickly and succinctly, and so I did it in one word type of thing, it, one words, and and I've done a blog. I thought to myself, people have been saying do this, do that. So I I have a blog. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I do it. <laughs> I have an iPhone. I don't know how to work it, but I got one. I have a blog. And on my blog, I do various things. I air my grievances and I do this, that, and the other. But one of the things I do in submitting all my life, I come up with 12 words. 12 words, that have, and that's not what you're getting. You're getting one word today because it's word number 13. But I came up with 12 words that have shaped my life. And then to, to, give, you a, to, to give you an understanding, God isn't finished with me yet. I just had this past week my 73rd birthday. I have no plan of retiring because God isn't finished with me yet. And so I came up with all these words that have defined my life over all these years. And I want to speak to you this morning about this one word that's number 13 that has not yet gone onto my blog because it's a, it's a word of this year for me. Let me, before I just introduce the word to you, let me ask you a question. Going back this morning into when, when the alarm clock went off, or you saw that the light was coming up, what have you done? Right? Well, you turned the light on if it was dark. You probably... If you're, if you're like me, your first thing that you do is you <laughs> go to the restroom. Um, <laughs> you, you pay a visit. Then, then somewhere along the line, you go to the closet and you say to yourself, what am I going to wear? 
in Scotland, where I'm from, I know you didn't know that, but in Scotland, in Scotland, where I'm from, I have a cousin who's 10 years older than me. And this morning, I know he went to church and I know what he's wearing. Because in all the years of me knowing him for 60 years, he's worn the same suit every Sunday. It's his Sunday suit. Not his birthday suit, his Sunday suit. <laughs> and his tie, which he wears every Sunday, don't tell him, please don't get in touch with my cousin there, comes down to here. So every time I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, what's, what is the problem with the, the gap? He doesn't have to do much effort. He goes to his closet, he pulls out the same, the same tie, um, and that's what he does. You looked in your closet and you chose something. Hopefully, one of the things that you did this morning is you brushed your teeth. The word I'm talking about today is the word intentional. Your life in everything that you do is intentional. There's nothing that you do that is not intentional. There's nowhere you get from A to B without being intentional. And I want to share with you this morning that there's a, not only are you supposed to be intentional or, or you are automatically intentional in your life on earth, but the purpose of God in your life is to be intentional also. Living an intentional life for Christ is what God's plan, the plan of God for your life. If you're not living an intentional Christian walk in a Christian journey, you're not doing what God uh, wants you to do. He requires you. He wants you to be intentional. I've got two stories this morning from the scripture. Two, two stories. One is in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, and it's the story. We, the two stories I'm going to talk to you about this morning are Bible stories that you, that you know. One is the story of Zacchaeus, and the other story is in Luke chapter 10, it's the story of the Good Samaritan, and I want to show you something from these, these stories this morning. The, the story of Zacchaeus was a true, was a true story. The, the story of the Samaritan was, was, a, was a parable. It was a discussion between Jesus about a guy who came to him and asked him a question about who is my neighbor, and Jesus discusses that with him. So in Luke chapter, Luke chapter uh, 19... Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Notice this, he was the chief, chief tax collector and he was wealthy. You gotta understand here that this tax collector, this tax collector, every tax collector, just like the IRS today, they're despised. Back in Jesus' day, they were despised. Not only were they despised, but they ripped everybody off. They, they made their money about the excess that they took from the people that they were supposed to be serving. So he became wealthy on the backs of the people, and the people knew it, he knew it, and he was despised. But he'd heard about a man named Jesus. So it says this, verse 3, he went to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead 
of the crowd. And climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. Now, I want, I'm, I'm skipping my notes here. I'm getting to the point. That's very unusual for me. <laughs> very unusual. <laughs> you, here's a guy, a little wee guy. He, was, he, he didn't want to engage, but he wanted to look. He was a seeker, but he wasn't a finder. Maybe that's you, you this morning. You came to just look, but you don't really get intentional. You don't get necessarily involved. Here's this little guy, climbs a tree, and here's the key to it all. You can't hide from Jesus. <laughs> Jesus says to him, Jesus never seen this guy, never met him, knew nothing about him, and, and somehow Jesus looks up and he calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I mean, what could that, that, that guy must have freaked out. He was trying to get away from it. He just wanted to climb a tree. And how many of you know you, you can't engage with Jesus if you're up a tree? And a lot of people who come to Luke are these people that are up a tree. They want to see, they want to look but they don't want to engage. Their spiritual life is not intentional. But Jesus had different plans for Zacchaeus. He said to Zacchaeus, verse five, when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I don't have time for you to stay up the tree. Come on down. So Jesus was the first game show host. <laughs> come on down, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house today. I could preach on this for months. Do you imagine that Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, was up a tree just to look to see, where Jesus, to see who Jesus was? Jesus says to him, Zacchaeus, all this crowd that you tried to avoid, you ripped them off. They'll stone you if you get close to them, but I'm coming to your house today. You cannot hide from Jesus. You are here this morning by divine purpose for a divine moment. And that moment is to be confronted by Jesus. That's the first act of intentionality that God wants you to take. Is to come and find Jesus. Look what happened when this man was confronted with Jesus. So he came down and at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter. What? He is going to be the guest of a sinner. <laughs> oh my goodness. Jesus has gone to be the guest of the sinner, these religious folks said, these Pharisees, these, this crowd said. How in the world could Jesus go and be, go into the home and fraternize with a sinner? Surely not. Jesus went where no one else would go. 
I want you to never forget that line in our life of intentionality. Jesus went where no one else would go. That's the mission of the church. That's what Coastal is doing. That's when they, when they come in and do what they do with impact and what we do together jointly and what you do by giving and being intentional in your giving and all the rest of it. You go where no one else would go. Jesus went where no one else would go. When we go to the, sex, the traffic, the sex traffic girls and all the rest of it, when we go to, to, to Haiti, when we go to the orphans and the widows, when we go to the sinners, for all things, when we go to the sinners, we say, help my kilt. <laughs> we go to the sinners. That's where Jesus went. But, but Jesus this morning is saying to, saying to us, come down from the tree because you cannot engage when you're up the tree. He wanted to see but not engage. Separation but not integration. Jesus was intentional. Come down, I'm going to eat at your place. And Zacchaeus was changed. And look what happened at the end of this story. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. Now you don't find four spiritual laws. You don't see the Roman road. You don't hear quotes of this and quotes of that. He only met Jesus. It doesn't take a lot, folks. You just need to meet Jesus. When you meet Jesus, you're changed, you're transformed. It's all the peripheral stuff that you look at that doesn't change you. It's all this, what's going on in the world, what's going on in the church, that's all, the, that's all rubbish. When you see Jesus, when you meet Jesus, you will know it and you will be changed and you'll be transformed. I was a policeman in Africa, 1968. Under, uh, under wild circumstances, I said, if I, if, if I get out of this, Lord, uh, if you're there, if I get out of this, I want, you to, I want to meet you and change me. I met him that night. He changed my life in 1968. I've been serving the Lord. Not always easy, not always the right way, not always uh, uh, paved with, with wonderful things, but here I am today, all these years later, I met Jesus. Look, Lord, here I... He, see, this is what Zacchaeus says. <laughs> Lord... Here and now, here and now, forget tithing. He says, I'm going to give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abram. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who were lost. If you have not met Jesus, if you have not come down from that proverbial tree to meet him, then you're lost. And the first act in transformation of changing from your regular life of, of brushing your teeth and checking out your clothes, the first intentional thing that you need to do in this transformation of your spiritual journey is to meet Jesus and let him transform you because without him, you're lost. By the way, talking about clothes and all the rest of it, see, I had to be very intentional this morning because I knew I was going to speak about this and look at these socks. <laughs> I don't know if these go by the coastal... The co <laughs> I don't know if these are the coastal dress. I'm sorry if you can't see my socks back there. <laughs> 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 
Salvation has come to your house. I want to take you to the second scripture, the second passage of scripture that I'm talking about this morning. It's in, it's in the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. And you're familiar with this story. Well, just, just here, here's the guy that came to Jesus and he, he wanted to know what was eternal life about. And he thought he had got it all together and he, and he discussed it with Jesus. And, and Jesus said, go and, and he said to Jesus this question, who is my neighbor? And based on that question to Jesus, who is my neighbor, came the story of the Good Samaritan. What we call the Good Samaritan. In reply to that question, verse 30, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So did a Levite when he came to the place, and he passed by on the other side also. Here's the two religious guys that were supposed to cross the road to meet the need of the guy. They, let, they did not do it. They were intentionally selfish. They didn't have the understanding that Jesus wanted them to go where nobody else would go. Here's a guy half dead, beaten up, and they purposely crossed the road on the other side. And the moral, the, 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 the the depth of this story is the fact that the Jews, the Levites, the priests had no dealings with Samaritans. This Samaritan guy was the last person possible to cross the road and meet the need of the guy that was, had been beaten up. The priest, the church leader passed by. The other church leader passed by. But this Samaritan man saw the need and became intentional, went across the road. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw the man, he, he took pity on him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, put him, the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took the two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said to the innkeeper, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers, Jesus is saying to him. <clears throat> the one thing that I like about Costal, it seems to go in the face, into, into the face of the status quo. Jesus, wherever he went, broke boundaries. He did not go with the flow. He was prepared to have an identity that was going to separate himself from the establishment. And here he is teaching this man who asked the question. He's teaching him and said, look at what this Samaritan did. This is how I want you to be intentional in your life. If you look at this, these few verses there, this is what, this is what the scripture says. The Samaritan, first of all, took pity on him. So intentionality starts with sensitivity. He took pity on him. Intentionality starts with sensitivity. He 
Traditionally in Scotland, we're very unemotional people. I think many of you are like that. I think many in the church are like that. They have not encouraged their emotion to be sensitive. We sort of learn things by doing things. We get our mindset. We, get, we do stereotypes. We see a guy lying on the other side of the road and somebody else will take care of it. I remember Joyce Meyer speaking, or somebody like that was saying about how, how easy it is just to take the shopping cart back to where you found it instead of dumping it just by the side of your car for somebody else to do the work. There's no intentionality in leaving it there. It's intentional to help somebody by putting the cart where you picked the blooming thing up. And you know, I don't do it every time, but I'll tell you what I had to do. It makes me think. I want to be sensitive to the needs of somebody else. It says he bandaged him up. See, it's not enough just to take pity on somebody. If, I, if you have a need... <clears throat> sorry, I should be going to Wayne, but you'll do. If, I, if you have a need and I have a pity on you, it doesn't meet the need. It just, you, you say to yourself, oh, he feels sorry for me. I didn't help you. It, it, all, all I did was agree with you. <laughs> Nothing changed. This man was sensitive to the need. And he took pity on him. But then he bandaged him up. Intentionality requires compassion. And I don't know that there are many people. The church... <laughs> Coastal is great at doing all of that. But I don't know, individuals, as individuals, we seem to have in this world that we live in today, we've lost the sense of care and compassion for others. He banished them up. Interestingly enough, you know what this guy did, it says in the scripture, he says he put him on his own donkey. He, 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 he put him on his own donkey. He... The Samaritan got off his donkey, bandaged him up, put the guy on his donkey, and they walked. He walked. The, 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 the guy that had been beaten up rode the donkey. He had compassion. You know, folks, I don't know how to translate this into our lives that, that, that well, really. How we get from the hardness of our daily thinking and our family requirements and our family needs to get into understanding the sense of being sensitive and compassionate and, com and caring for a world that is in such need and such despair. I don't, I don't know how to get us from there. I know that for myself, it's even tough at times. I see um, I, uh, hurricanes coming through the Bahamas and I, we see all these things all the time, all the time, all the time. And we, 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 it's the news after all. And I'm not saying we should have compassion for the masses outside all the time. It's not easy to do that. But I'll tell you what God is calling us to in a life of intentionality as we walk with Jesus. Because if you're not intentional as a Christian, you're not fulfilling the mandate that Christ has for your life. It's just not possible. The only thing that you do probably unintentionally as you're sitting here this morning is breathing. You, have to, you do it automatically. That's not, you don't have to be intentional about breathing. 
Everything else you do, you have to be intentional about. You, when you get up to go out, you're getting t- you've got to get off the chair or you'll sit here all day. And as a Christian who's been born again by the Spirit of God and saved by the Lord Jesus himself, he has the requirement. It's not a life of privilege without responsibility. A guy told me years ago when I lived with, it's a long story, I'll make it very short. He, let, he actually led me to the Lord and all the rest of it. And I lived with his family for a long time. One day he got sick. I was just a young kid. I was 18 or 19 years of age and he got tired of my sort of living off the, 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 the family and so on. And he came up to me one day, and I'll never forget it. This is 50 some years ago and I'm still talking about it today. He said, Alistair, you enjoy the privileges but not the responsibilities. Can you imagine? He was my age. Alistair, my, I lived with his parents because I had dislocated shoulders and from my, my military stuff. And you enjoy the privileges without the responsibilities. Church, you're not required. God does not want you to enjoy the privileges without picking up the intentional responsibilities that God has for you in the campus here at Gloucester. We're only beginning and we need to see what God is going to do here. And he needs us as a team, as a church, as a people to come together with the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit to enjoy the privileges and and the responsibilities You came in that door this morning, you you came to find Jesus. And when you do that and you give your life to Jesus, it all changes and you become part of the answer, the solution, not part of the problem. And then the man took him to an inn. Number three, he took him to an inn and cared for him. The intentionality requires action. There's no point, again, in being intentional. There's no point in thinking about it. It's going to take action to be intentional in the kingdom. And then it says, he gave two denarii, two two coins to the innkeeper. And then he said a wonderful thing. He gave the money to the innkeeper and he spent the night with him because it says the next day he went away and he said to the innkeeper, by the way, I'm leaving Jimmy with you. Not Jimmy, not this Jimmy. I'm I'm leaving Shlomo with you. And if there's anything, if, if he's got a tab, I, I'll take care of that on my way back. Just make sure you take care of him. Because he's my ministry. Intentionality will always involve generosity. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking, whatever you do, it just, it's part of the equation. That guy Zacchaeus, man, he met Jesus and he so met Jesus that he, the tithing was not even part of his life. He said, I'm going, I met Jesus. I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. You see, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're in the right spirit, Jesus will make you sensitive. I've become sensitive over the years. I've become a crybaby. As we sang some of these songs, some of the oldies, power in the blood, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. You know, I'm going to tell... The relationship that I have with Coastal 
and Sean and the, and the elders is amazing. It's, it, it's God. About a year ago, I think maybe, there was a cyclone that hit Zimbabwe. Faith Ministries, all right, I've got time to see I'm watching that clock, man. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> see, back in 1978, in the Faith Ministries church I had founded, we were growing, growing, growing. And in 78 in Zimbabwe, we were, we were under the white government of Ian Smith. I'm just trying to be this very quick. But I could see the writing on the wall that it was going to be what we called majority rule, that the African population was going to get one man, one person, one vote, and that we would not be white ruled anymore. So I'm thinking to myself, and I, and I can honestly tell you that as of today, I'm one of the few white pastors that can go back to Zimbabwe that has something to go back to because many of the others did not, and Sean can bear it out, did not have what I'm about to tell you about intentionality. I'm sitting in my office one day and I said, what I need to do is busing. <laughs> so I said to myself, what, what's the best way to do this? I said, I know what I'll do. I'll send a bus to the university. All the elite of the African people were going to the university. That, they, were going, they were getting their degrees. If I can fill up buses of African people who are getting their degrees, I might be able to influence the nation. I did it. They came in their droves on my buses. We filled up more churches. And one of the people on that bus is a guy called Nguiza Mkandla, who's my spiritual son in the faith today. He, he took over the churches, and since then we've had others take over all these years. However, he's still my spiritual son. After all these years, and he came on these buses. Now, who else came on these buses? It turned out they became uh, diplomats. Doctors, dentists, we have the, the only orthodontist in the nation of Zimbabwe come and goes to faith ministries. Came on the bus, Shingu Muneza, whom you've met, who you stayed at his house, Wayne. Big business guy, came on the bus. Back to my story. A year ago, we had a cyclone that hit the eastern side of Zimbabwe. It was bad. At the forefront of this mission to, make a trans, to, make, to bring the nation back into to, to a good place again was Faith Ministries, the church that I had founded. Now we've got the 70 congregations, of course. So all over the nation, they came together. And it turned out we had 100 nurses and doctors from our, from our church going to the cyclone area and rebuilding. They told me about this cyclone. Where did I go? Sean. Jimmy and Sean. I said, Sean, I don't know if I said it quite like this, but I'm, I'm, I'm that bold. I need $10,000. Or we need a gift. Actually, it wasn't. I thought maybe, I asked for five and we got 11 or something. I don't know. You did? <laughs> <laughs> I'll write a check later. <laughs> I did ask for $5,000 and we got way more. Now, you, you gave. Because you know what? This man trusts me and they have all seen what we've done in Zimbabwe and they say, this is good. And we're being intentional and we're changing. We are changing. We are changing 
a nation. Then I said, somehow in the discussion a little earlier, in Guiza, my spiritual son said, I want, have, oh no, they came, no, they came, Sean and Andrew and Jimmy, all this, came to the 40th anniversary in 2016, and they, and they, were, they were hearing from our leadership about the Muslims building schools. And Sean said, I, why don't we build a school that's a Christian school to offset all this Muslim talk? I said, a great idea. We, we found land Within, within a short order, we, you, you and, and Andrew was a leader on this, but all the church, we were given $100,000 to buy land for our school in Zimbabwe. That coastal was intentional through our intentionality to touch a nation. What a wonderful thing. Uh, a number of years ago, my son, who was living in Africa at the time, working for World Vision, didn't have a lot of money. But there was a hurry, there was an earthquake, as you call it, in Haiti. And my my son said, "I want to give ten thousand dollars to Haiti." I think he said, "I think I'll give it to this organization." I said, "Wait." I want you to give. If you'll give it, if you'll just hold on to your money, I. I'd no, I had no interest in Haiti. I didn't know anything about Haiti. I'll go and research and find where we should do this money. Through my processes and all the rest of it, we found a, an organization called Denita's Children. Wonderful organization. I went down there, visited. They have an orphanage of, of, of children from the earthquake. Some of them have got no arms. Some of the, they're every, every type of child in this place... They've got 100, 110 children in the orphanage, 450 that go to the, to, to the school down there. And a couple of years ago, Sean and Jimmy and Patsy have been with us on a, on a number of occasions. And they've helped us with our ministry of children. That $10,000, I said, Craig, give me the 10,000. I want to invest in this Donitas so that over the years we can put legs and legacy into the future of the ministry. He did, and, even, and so today, the, all these years later, it's like eight or 10 years ago, we're still working with it. In fact, we're working on a project right now that would bring one of these graduate children, I can't go into it, time has gone. <laughs> I can't bring it all to your attention right now, but we've got a, a young man, Andre, who has graduated from our high school down in Haiti, who's a wonderful preacher. He's up in Massachusetts going to school at the moment. I want coastal, I want, I want coastal to be a conduit. Many, church, many churches have taken some of these Donita's children, graduates and all the rest of it, and got them into the professions and different things. But I want coastal to be the conduit of ministry, kids from Donita's children to go, who will go back to Haiti, and we here at Coastal, one way or another, we're working on it. We'll train them to go back into the nations, to, back into the nation of Haiti. And I believe we can change the nation of Haiti by the model that we've, that we've planted. Interestingly enough, Danita, about two years ago, she said, Alistair, I'd like you to serve on my board. I said, okay. I sit on this board very humbled. I, on the board is Carrie Underwood's husband, Mike Fisher, who played ice hockey, and the, uh, the guy that was the former quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. 
and they're doing a, they're doing a great thing as we, as we do work down in, in, in Haiti and being intentional to change a nation. I end with this. God has an intentional plan for your life. It says in Acts 10, 38, David fell asleep, he died, when he had done what God wanted him to do for his generation. God ain't finished with me yet. For, every, for as much as I can breathe, I want to be intentional and change lives and see the kingdom of God extended for the season that God has me on this earth. And he has the same plan, desire for you this morning. If you do not, if you have not come down from your own tree and if you have not met face to face with Jesus this morning, I would say to you, there's your first, the reason that you're here at Coastal today is to give your life to Christ because today, as he said to Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your home. Amen. Let's just, can we just pray together? May I, may I just pray with us and then, and then uh, Nate is going to come up and lead us. Just in the quietness of your heart this morning. If God is showing you how to be intentional and maybe just give your life to Jesus today. If you've never given your life to Jesus, that's the first thing that God wants you to do this morning. Get saved. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this wonderful ministry of Coastal. I thank you for these dear folks of Gloucester. And I just pray right now that as they see the future, that they will change this town change this community and be intentional for your kingdom. And Lord, just in the quietness of their hearts, if they've never given their lives to Jesus, just meet them at their point of need this morning. Say, yes, Lord, I'm coming down from the tree because Jesus is calling my name. Bill, Margaret, Fred, Andrew, Joan, come down. I've come today to your house. In Jesus' name.